That's our prayer for today. That God's spirit leads us. Hallelujah. Wherever you will call me, take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Can you declare that spirit lead? Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wander, and my faith would be. How many want more in God today? In the presence of... How many want more than just regular church, but you want the Spirit to lead you? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without... Let me walk upon the water. Walk upon the water wherever you will call. I want to go deeper. Take me than my feet would ever want and my faith and my faith would be made stronger the presence of my say and I will call and I will call upon your name and keep my eye keep my eye upon soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine and you are mine God we thank you we thank you for your spirit we thank you for your grace we thank you God that you have seen fit to manifest yourself among us right now and God, we look for more than just a regular church service, but God, we seek for miracles, signs, and wonders in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us, God, to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Lord, speak your servants. Listen, hide me behind your cross. Teach us what to say and how to pray. God, give us direction, Holy Spirit. We follow at your direction. We follow at your demand and your command. It is in you that we live, breathe, move, exist, and have our being. And we give you all the praise now and always in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody lift your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 We have a baptism after this for new souls. One of them being my daughter. We have several parts of reading today as we get ready to go into the word of God today. How many are excited about the word today? I don't know about you, but I'm excited. If they get it pulled up on the screen in the presentation back there, we're going to start. We have several scriptures to read today. Um, Haley, if you can help them back there if they're having trouble getting it up. We, we're starting a new sermon series, potentially. I'm following the lead of the Spirit. It may end up one sermon. It may end up two. It may end up three. I'm going to let God determine how long it goes. But we're, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare for a little while. Um, the Lord has impressed upon my heart in prayer. Some of you may have seen um, the Facebook lives that I'm singing, sending out for prayer. I always tell you that I'm praying for you, but I felt it best that you actually see that your pastor is praying for you so you can get those clips. Thank you for those who have been saying, Pastor, we're praying along with you uh, and that they're blessing me and they're encouraging me. We want to be able to be a blessing to you. They're getting it together back there. It's under the presentation, The Art of War. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 3 through 5. 
They have it. Can you stand with us? We're going to do a bit of reading. I don't want you to go to sleep on me today. If you can stand, you don't have to stand. But I want you to pay close attention to what we're reading today because we're going through several points of scripture. So hold on and we're ready to go. You ready? Let's read. What does it say? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have defined power to demolish strongholds. Hallelujah. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, hallelujah, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand therefore. We're going over to the book of 1 Samuel. Hallelujah. We got a little bit more reading. 1 Samuel. Uh, that's going to be our theme and that's going to be our bedrock that I want you to keep meditating on and praying and thinking about those scriptures. That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But there is a spiritual world and we have to learn to war in the spirit. Let's start at verse 8. 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 17 verse 8. What does it say? Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? I am not, am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And when hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all of his, the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. We're going to skip some for sake of time. Let's go. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Hmm. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him from taxes in Egypt. That's enough already right there. Let's keep going. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Then they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Keep going. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Hallelujah. Saul replied, you are not able to go out again the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Keep going. The Lord who rescued me from the paw. Somebody should be shouting right now. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. <laughs> Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. But I want you to pay close attention to this. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. 
David fastened over his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Somebody said, take it off. <laughs> Hallelujah. The way of the world, the way the world fights battles. We're going to take that off today. Verse 40 says, then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, this Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. <laughs> he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, <laughs> glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom he hath defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the, and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered around here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Oh, hallelujah. And the Philistines moved closer to him to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle to meet him in the battle line. Keep going. Hallelujah. Reaching in his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistines with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Last verse. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath and after he killed him he cut off his head with the sword and when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead they turned and ran. Today, I want to speak to you from this subject. This is how I fight my battles. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, this is how I fight my battles. I want somebody to declare that today that may be going through some things and the ordinary won't do. You've tried psychology and psychology won't do. You've tried the ways of the world and the ways of the world won't do. I've come to let you know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't fight like the world does, but our weapons are better for they are mighty toward God to the pulling down of strongholds. What kind of strongholds are they, Pastor? Strongholds in the mind. The mindset that said that God never loves you. The mindset that said that you're over and done with. The mindset that says that you are fit. The mindset that said that you will never make it. God has given you the ability in the spirit to pray and reach heaven. <laughs> And what is done in the heavens, you may be seated, will be honored on the earth. God said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, whatsoever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. And whatsoever you bind in earth, I will bind in heaven. Hallelujah. I began to pray and I was talking to one of my friends. What's the sermon series? It's the art of war. You know why we need to talk about the art of war? Many years ago, there was a Chinese philosopher and that Chinese philosopher or battle strategist wrote a book that they use today in West Point. It is called The Art of War. They have used this book for years on end to teach people how to properly fight battle plans, how to properly stay at the top and not at the bottom and fight the enemy. But I've come to tell you 
necessary for us today because we have a book that is better than the art of war. And I'm afraid to tell you that many people in the church are living lives that they don't have to live, living under oppression and depression and anxiety that they do not know how to battle because there is a spirit world and we have become numb to the thought that the spirit world is exists and the spirit world is working. We don't talk too much about the spirit because we don't want people to call us weird, but I've come to tell you that there is a God and there is a real devil and there is a real battle going on and whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not, there's a battle going on for your soul and your very existence. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God looked at Satan and said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and your seed and her seed, and you will strike his heel, but he shall crush your head. And all the way down through six millennia, we have seen the story of the battle that Christ won and the victory he won on Calvary over death, hell, and the grave. But I come to tell you that the devil will not stop. The devil will not end because the Bible says he knows that his time is still at hand. It says that he knows that he has, Brother Turhan, but a short time. And misery loves company. And Satan says that I have to go to hell. I'm not going to go by myself. So do you know Satan is always working around the clock trying to get in your life, trying to destroy your life, trying to keep you bound, trying to keep you in strongholds. What are strongholds, Pastor? Strongholds are fortifications, things that are deeply entrenched, meant not to be moved. Why? Because those who are in the stronghold do not want to be moved from their position of authority. And I've come to tell you that Satan sometimes will grab hope in our lives and the things we watch and listen to and the ideologies that we have. Many times we'll let Satan get a foothold in our life. And because we will not deal with our issues, we will not deal with our sin, Satan uses them as struggles. How do I identify a stronghold? It's that secret sin that you've been hiding. It's those things that are in your heart, that anger that will not go away, that short temper, that lustful spirit, that gossiping tongue, those things that are in your mind that you wish you could let go of, but somehow you seem to always fall back into it because the enemy has you in a stronghold. Sometimes it's physical and you have chronic illnesses in your body and some of them are biomedical but sometimes sicknesses come from the enemy and the enemy is trying to destroy you and keep you bound in a stronghold. And today we talk about what Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. What does that mean? It means that we are kingdom citizens. We are in this world, but we don't wage war like the world does. <laughs> the world says the bigger your biceps, the bigger your nuclear weapons, the bigger your tanks, the bigger your army, that you will win the battle. The longer you can stand up, the, the better chance you will have to win the battle but I serve a God who says that you don't win the battle standing on your feet but you win the battle down on your knees in prayer you win the battle in treating the Lord and God is calling his people back to prayer God is calling his people back to fellowship because it is through the communication of prayer that warfare is done in the realm of the spirit Many of us are spiritually weak because we don't have a prayer life that will keep us strong. Hallelujah. Many of us are fighting with the wrong weapons. I want you to know that in life, the battle is both seen and unseen. And we have an elevated arsenal that will help us handle the battles we face. Pastor, are you against psychologists and psychiatrists? No, I'm not. Are you against doctors? No, I'm not. But what I am against is Christians always leaning on something before they lean on God. Right. 
Thank God for medicine. Thank God for all the sciences. I'm not anti-science. Science is just uh, us learning what God has already done. But we have to get back and become what God wants. He said, my house shall become a house of prayer. You know why the churches are anemic across the United States? Because you can get everybody to participate in, in praise and worship. I saw everybody waving their hands. Everybody was in the spirit. But what happens when prayer time shows up? When it's time to pray, you'll notice anemic Christians because they can't pray for 30 seconds without getting distracted. Sometimes we have to put things on screens across church to say, hey, do you know it's prayer time and that's rude? You're, you're, you're talking while other people are going through spiritual warfare. You are more worried about you've seen this person all week long. You've had all week to talk to this person. But somehow within the 30 minutes or hour of prayer time that you have in the church, you just can't hold but talk to them. You're talking to anybody else but God and that means that your spiritual life is anemic and that's why many times the devil is whipping us all up and down beside our head because we have no power everybody said much prayer much power little prayer little power no prayer no power God is calling for a church that wants to do battle in the spirit. God is calling for a church that is willing to lay down and tarry with him and begin to seek the face of God. And is not always in a hurry and not always looking at a clock and not always waiting for a 90 minute sermon or a 90 minute service. And at minute 91, everybody's hungry and ready to go. God is looking for people who will flood these altars and will begin to do warfare in the spirit and say, I will not leave until God's purpose is done. God has given us many weapons that will help us to destroy pride and arrogance. They'll help to heal broken hearts. They will help to demolish ideas that are anti-biblical. And sometimes we have to realize that some of the things that we're going through is not because God is not powerful. It is not because God is not able. It is simply because we are not willing to go to him in prayer. Hallelujah. I, I believe I, I remember I recall that Jesus was teaching a Sunday school and this man was agitated and this man was frustrated and he was upset. Hey, Ethan, how you doing? He was upset and he was so good. I love that. I love to see kids walking across the church. That means the church is alive and they were frustrated and he brought his son to Jesus and he said, my son has an evil spirit and I brought him to your disciples and they could not do anything with him. Jesus simply looked at the boy and cast the spirit out of the boy. And they, they were perplexed. They were upset because they had been excited about the fact that demons would obey their name. And they went to Jesus and they said, why could you not? Why could we not cast out this demon? And he said this, this kind goeth only by fasting and prayer. There are some things that you won't conquer until you put your plate away. There are some things that you will not conquer until you cut the TV off and get on your knees in prayer and be, be able to seek the throne room of God. I wonder if I have anybody in here who's tired of the regular mundane church, but you want to see people healed. You want to see people delivered. You want to see people set free and you're willing to do what it takes. Amen. Strongholds cannot be demolished by human power. <coughs> Strongholds can only be demolished by the power of the Holy Ghost. Strongholds can only be torn down with something that is more powerful than itself. You see, Satan is and I, I want you to know that the Bible says that the Lord, he's a fallen angel, but the Bible says God has made us a little lower than the angels, which means that you don't have the power on your own to fight Satan. But what you can do is you can rest in the power of God, our Savior. And just like the book of Jews said, when the archangel came and argued with Satan up over the body of Moses, he looked at him and said, the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Some of us need to know that 
that sometimes we need to get down and when people are sick, good, send them to the doctor when they're sick. But how about sometimes just taking your hands? Because the Bible says, if there are some sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and they shall give their hands and lay on them and pray the prayer of faith. Oh, I for a church. I believe church and I'm looking for an enlargement of this church that is willing to be serious about spiritual warfare. <coughs> a church that is spiritual. The Bible says in one translation that those things, the weapons God give us, have a divine power to pull down strongholds. See, strongholds are destructive mindsets that lead people away from the truth. They keep him Keep them in a pattern, a holding pattern of addiction and cycles. And they keep fighting battles on their own and they keep losing those battles. Have you ever tried to keep fighting something and every time you get over, it seems to rear its ugly head back? I tell you what, turn. you know what you need to do? You need to get you some oil. You don't need the pastor. Get you some oil and get you a prayer closet and get on your knees and begin to seek the face of God. And don't leave until God makes that thing right because he will if you go to him in prayer. <laughs> There's always a war going on. Whether you want to be involved in the war or not, there is no spiritual Sweden. There is no way that you can go in the realm of the spirit and just pretend that you just want to hide in the corner and I'm not going to pay attention to what's going on in the spirit world. And if I just don't mind nobody, don't bother nobody, the devil will leave me alone. I've come to tell you that the forces of darkness are not going to leave you alone. Either you are with God or you are against God. And the only way that the powers of darkness are not bothering you and they are not fighting you is A, because God has sent somebody to pray over you and protect you, or B, they already own you. And they don't have to fight people that are on their team. Satan's job is to make distractions for those strongholds. Pastor, well, why are we talking about David and Goliath? Because we can see a, a good comparison of David and Goliath because when the Bible says that David went out to, to, to meet these people, that for 40 days the Philistines had been taunting the Israelites. They had been saying, we have something that you don't have. <coughs> And Israel represents the church. In other words, in the Philistines, they represent the demonic powers and the demonic authorities. And for 40 days, they sat there with their battle lines drawn, but they were scared to fight, Shania. They were scared. They didn't want to fight. They weren't even scared of the Israelite, uh, of the Philistine army. They were scared of just one Philistine, and his name was Goliath. Goliath had six brothers, and it was said that they had each six toes and six, 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 uh, six fingers on each hand, or four brothers for the case. And Goliath was nine feet tall, and Goliath had a, a coat of armor that was 125 pounds, and Goliath had a spear on his back, and the head of the spear was 15 pounds. Goliath was a big man, so much that it took a whole man just to carry his shield, and he began to taunt the people of God. I've come to tell you that in the realm of the spirit, many times the enemy is taunting the people of God. He's saying they say they have power, but every time somebody gets sick, nobody wants to come to the altar. Let, let them alone. Suffer the children to come to me. You're going to help me preach today. Hallelujah. That's all right. That's how church should be. That's my buddy right there. Y'all give him a hand. Let him play. Let him enjoy himself. Hallelujah. You shouldn't be bothered by him because I'm not bothered by him. I enjoy him. In the realm of the spirit, they were upset and they were scared. They were scared because they felt they didn't have the power to defeat the enemy. But this is what we need to realize is that when David came and David heard what they had said, David wasn't worried as much about the reward, but he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that insults the armies of our God? David was no longer worried about his well-being. David was no longer worried about what would happen to him. David was upset that Satan thought he was big enough and bad enough to stand up against God's people. 
David was offended. And who is this man who will stand up against the enemies of our God? And when Saul got a hold of it, Saul got wind of it. Saul began to pray. And Saul began to look around. And he brought David with him just like this. And I'm glad he's here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because this is about what David and Goliath would look like. This is about how big David would look coming up to Goliath. He would look tiny and he would look small. And Saul said, if you're going to fight this battle, you have to fight it the way we usually fight war. See, son, we got a way that we fight war. We draw battle lines. And, and here's the thing that the church uh, they say if you're going to fight war you got to fight war the way we fight war nobody's going to come to your church unless you got some lights and some smoke and people in skinny jeans unless you got a few people doing this and doing that unless you have special programs and children's church see the problem with you is and why your church won't grow is because you haven't learned to fight war how we fought war our army is big and our army is powerful but I like what David did David looked at Saul's skinny jeans David looked at Saul's armor. David looked at Saul's lights and smoke and looked at all the things of the modern day church he had and he said I thank you for offering it but it don't fit me. I want to speak to ministries right now who may not be mega ministries and feel like you don't have any power because you don't have nice cameras. You may not have any power because you can't afford nice musicians and, and videographers to run around because you can't afford media teams and all those things. And you feel like you're insignificant and you can't fight like the big armies do. But I've come to tell you that you don't have to fight with those weapons. All you need is an altar to get down on your knees in prayer and begin to beseech God and God will make a way for you. God will make intercession for you. You know what? God is letting them do this right now. You know why? Because he keep, I want you to keep a visual in your head. David's probably about 5'7", and Goliath is about 9 feet tall. So you see the difference between the two. He looks at Saul and says, I can't fight war like you fight war. I can't do the things you do. Some of us would be absolutely paralyzed if we didn't have a modern day way to do church. But you remember a few weeks ago when the city of Royal Oak was without power and our power was shut off in the church? We had one of the sweetest, sweetest times that ever. Haley hopped on drums and I grabbed a guitar. We didn't have any synthesizers. We didn't have any cameras. But the Holy Ghost still showed up. The Holy Ghost still made a way. God still spoke to our souls. I'm grateful for the tools that we have, but I want to make it very clear. When I started, I didn't start with confidence monitors. I didn't start with expensive cameras. I started in a church that had wood on the floor and no air conditioners in it. I started where we had no drums. I started where the old folks used to take their foot and stomp. I started where mothers used to sing and mothers used to moan. And I started in a place where we didn't have modern day amenities. And you know what? God still moved in like he does now. I'm excited. I'm looking for a day when we got 15 to 30 or 20 or 40 of them running around here. God is doing it. Give God a hand clap of praise. I'm looking for those things. I love all the stuff we have. God has blessed us with good technology and all this stuff. And we're doing podcasts and all, these, all this equipment and all that stuff is fine and good. I'm not knocking that stuff. I'm a technology guy. But I don't want you to get it twisted that we need the technology to do what God is calling us to do. Because there are many churches that cannot afford the technology. And I don't want them to think that they are insignificant because they can't afford a couple of cameras and a few cameramen and some people to play. I, I want them to know that if you have in the old days they had what you call brush arbors I don't know if anybody's familiar with brush arbors but they're open in the air and people will come down to old country places and they will begin to seek the face of God and they will begin to do what you call tarry and they will pray and wait for a move of the spirit and wait for a move of the Holy Ghost and I believe that day is here that the Holy Spirit is beginning to move in this land Hallelujah. 
Satan's job is to make us distracted from things. Satan's job is to keep us from focusing on what God wants us to be focused on. But at the end of the day, you've got to learn to fight battles the way God fights battles. Nobody in their right mind to fight a nine-foot giant who didn't have a nine-millimeter would go out without the best artillery and army he had. But David said this. He said, look, and Saul said, you can't do that. You can't go out and fight this Philistine like that. You're going to die. It's grown men twice your size. They're not going out there to fight. That's silly. And David said, let me tell you something. (laughs) You know what? I was alone in the fields by myself. And there was nobody around to help me. And the king of the jungle showed up. And he showed up to take those that I was shepherding. (laughs) And when he showed up to take those that I was shepherding, I didn't have a lot of fancy equipment, but I had to use what God had blessed and what God had gave me and what I was used to using. And when I was able to use what God gave me, I was able to defeat the lion. (laughs) And I was out another day. And as I was out, I saw a bear licking his lips, looking at my flock. And although I would have, it would have seemed that I was inadequately and inappropriately capacity, having the capacity to be able to kill what I needed to kill, God gave me favor with what I had. Somebody listening to me right now. And I want you to know, you may just be starting a ministry. You may just be starting what God has called you to do. And you may not have the resources somebody else does. Don't you dare let that hold you back. If you just be faithful to God, God will give you favor with what you have. I serve a God that two fish and five loaves of bread and feed 5,000. I serve a God that will have so much that there's more than enough and there are room, there's room for things left over. Why? Because I don't serve a God of less than enough. I don't serve a God of just enough. But I come to tell you that I serve a God of, of more than enough. How many of you know you serve a God? Or more than enough. God's able to give you what you need. (laughs) And more. David said, I can't fight the battle, Saul, how you want me to fight it. I've got to fight it my way. I can't fight dressed like everybody else. I can't fight in a three-piece suit. You know why? Because that's not me. I have to fight how I am. I got to fight and be myself. It's okay to be yourself. God can use you just how you are. You you might not be able to fight in church clothes, but if you can fight in blue jeans, you're welcome here. (laughs) I don't care what you got on as long as you can get a prayer through. Many times and many years ago, the church would tell people that you can't even get in the battle unless you dress like we tell you to dress. And you wear what we tell you to wear. And you look like we tell you to look. As if what you had on had anything to do with the anointing that God had on your life. Do you know that some people will say, well, women can't come to church and wear pants. And men can only wear pants. Pants are only 500 years old. So what did they wear before pants? We've had all these traditions of how we do church and trying to teach people how to fight. And God said, that stuff is inconsequential to me. All you need is my word. All you need is the power of prayer. All you need is a relationship with me. Some people were hindered and couldn't serve God because people didn't look like, act like, and sound like they told him that. Well, I've come to tell you that God is so powerful. If you don't do it, he'll take a drug addict off the street and bring him in here and clean him up and do a mighty work. God wants those who are willing to be used. And he looks at Goliath. David doesn't have an armor bearer. He doesn't have a big church. He's a small shepherd. He has a small flock. But here comes 
Goliath, just like some of the pastors of the day. They got an armor bearer. They won't even carry their own stuff. They got somebody else to carry their stuff for them as they, they walk up to the pulpit. And David walks up an old country-like shepherd, an old country-like pastor, an old country-like future king, and all he has is five smooth stones. And somebody said, well, why did he have five smooth stones? Did he think he was going to miss? No, Goliath had four of the brothers. I said, I'm going to take care of you, and then I'm going to take care of the rest. That's what David was coming to do. And David looked at him as he insulted him, and David said, you come at me with sword, and you come at me with spear, but I come at you not in my own power, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. I want to talk to somebody who's struggling this morning. I want to talk to somebody who has an issue that won't go away. I want to talk to somebody who's been wrestling in the spirit. And I want you to tell them, tell that thing that's bothering you, not by my might, not by my power, but by thy spirit, says the Lord. God's spirit is real. It's living and it's alive and it's active. Sometimes we have to realize that we are not fighting people and that people are not the enemy, that the enemy is the enemy. Don't you know Satan will make you fight people? You'll think these people against me, those people against me. You fight against different social classes and different races or ethnicities or different socioeconomic status. If you turn on the news, it's always us against them. But here's the thing. I want you to know you're wasting your time doing that. You will affect absolutely no change doing that. Because for hundreds of years, people have been doing that and no change has happened. But we as Christians think we can save the world by doing the things that the world does. But Paul says this, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Your vote is just one vote. That might not change the government. But I know if you get to heaven, the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he turns it like a water course. I know you think that we need to be fighting this person or that person or that politician or that politician. But do you know they are not your enemy? For the Bible says, oh, oh Jesus, hallelujah. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of spiritual wickedness in high places that there is somebody behind the scenes. The Democrat is not your enemy. The Republican is not your enemy. It's the devil that's your enemy. It is demons that are your enemy. And it's time for the people of God to stop getting caught up in everybody else's arguments and for us to do what the church does best. Turn off CNN, turn off Fox News, and turn on some worship music and get on your knees and begin to pray and seek the face of God. For if my people, which you call by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, <coughs> then will I hear from heaven. Amen. And I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Oh, should we repent? Should the church repent that we have gotten caught up in trying to have political wars in the churches and all these other things in the church and having all these other different worldly arguments in the church? And God is just saying, I want you to turn that stuff off and turn me on. Have a communication with me. He is looking for a church that is more interested in the spirit and the things that are happening. Because while we are distracted by all the other foolishness that goes on, you're always going to have a gossip columnist. You're always going to have controversy. You're always going to have argument of the people on Facebook. And while you are distracted, arguing with these people and offended by these people, the enemy has you distracted and you are not on your knees in prayer. Oh, Jesus. God, forgive us that we, as a church at large, have gotten caught up in so many of the world's arguments. Do you not know that there are churches divided over politics? There are churches divided over critical race theory. There are churches divided over the work church. There are churches that are divided over everything. You know why? They're divided over everything because they are not centered on Jesus. 
I'm going to calm down for y'all think I'm angry. <laughs> Whatever cycle in your life before it's in the scene is manifested from the unseen. See, in the realm of the spirit, you have what you need to fight. But I want you to know, he says that you might fight against the schemes of the enemy. Do you not know that Satan is strategic? Anybody who's willing to win a war studies his enemy. Why are we watching TV? Nothing wrong with TV. But why are we never praying? I'll put it that way. Satan is studying us. He's studying our weaknesses. He's studying our propensities that will pull us away from God. And he is orchestrating his hellhounds and imps to move things in our way that will block us and pull us away from God. It is not by happenstance that the very person that will help you fall is the person that falls into your life. No, Satan has studied it is not by happenstance that the very situation that will pull you away from God just happens to come to you. It is not by happenstance. No, Satan has studied you. Satan has studied you, and he has a strategic plan to thwart you. He is studying you, and while he is studying you, what we need to do is be on our knees in prayer. Be on our knees seeking the face of God because the enemy never sleeps trying to destroy you and destroy your life. But I, for one, will not sit by. I will not sit by idly while I hold on to my sleep in my bed and feel good about sleeping and feel good about getting a couple of extra minutes while I know there's a war going on that I'm not involved in. That's why you see me sending you the Facebook. I'm trying to send a message to you that I want you to give up a couple of extra hours of sleep. I want you to give up some time. Why? So you can get on your face in prayer. Give up a few hours of television and if you don't know what to say, just turn me on praying and pray along with me. Why? Because if you don't give up your comfort and you sit there the enemy, it's easy to hit a non-moving target. The easiest target to hit is one that's sitting still. One that is spiritually stagnant. One that has no prayer life. One that has no devotional life. One that doesn't study and meditate on the Bible. The enemy can easily hit you, but I want you to know something that Paul gave us a remedy. He says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, we cast down arguments and every vain imagination which holds itself against the knowledge of God and we bring captive every thought obedient to Christ. Do you not know that you don't have to be in the shape that you're in, that God has given you the ability to have power over the enemy? He says, I give you power to tread on scorpions and on serpents and none of these will hurt you. Is he talking about literal snakes? No. When you read the Bible, you realize that as the Bible talks about serpents and it begins to talk about scorpions, it is talking about the devil and his hellhounds. For he is the serpent and the scorpion. If you do biblical research, you will realize are the, are the fallen angels of what we call demonic presence. These are the types of things that freak people out. These are the types of things that we don't like to talk about. God moved in a miraculous way last night. I won't tell you how he moved, but we're on the air. But God did some things uh, miraculously. And when they did, I ended up having to sleep on the couch because the kids were spooked uh, after we left the, that particular service we were at. And they said, Daddy, can we sleep in your bed? And then they came to me and they said, Daddy, I thought that stuff wasn't real. But now I know it's real. Why? Because there is a spirit world. You can't help everybody with psychology and self-help and life help. You can't help everybody with positive thinking. Some things will only come when we learn the art of spiritual warfare. So today, before we get into baptism, I have three things I want you to pray. And I'll send it out to you and I'll put it on the live, the live stream. I'll send it out somehow. We'll get it out to you. But these are the things I want you to learn in the art, art form. Repeat after me. Help me be aware of the battle. Help me be aware of the battle. 
Open my spiritual eyes to recognize the attack of the enemy. Teach me how to fight the right battles. And help me not be distracted by the wrong battles. Hallelujah. That is what God is calling us to do today. Been a while since I preached like this, Brother Dave. I'm, I'm happy that I still got a voice left. <laughs> Why is he so passionate? Because I want to get across to us that we need to know that God is real. That prayer is not an option. It is a must. Prayer is not just something we do over our meals or right before we go to sleep. Those couple of rows of kids that just walked in right there that look so beautiful. I love to see all those kids. They need our prayers because the enemy wants to have them. Do you not know that the enemy has studied them and strategically he puts over and over suggestive things on YouTube that look like cartoons, but they're not really cartoons. Why? So they'll click on them and he can take away their innocence and keep them bound in lustful things, keep them bound in non-godly things. Satan is working in media. He's working in television. Why? To slowly put sin out there to be suggestive to them. And the only way that we remedy that... You can petition all you want to people. You can write your name on how many other petitions you want. But the only petition that you're going to have that's going to change it is when you get on your knees and begin to petition the throne of grace and say, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on our nation. Lord, have mercy on our children. Lord, have mercy on our churches. As we get ready to go. Thank you, sir. I want you to know there's a right way and a wrong way to fight. Today, for those of you who can reach this altar, I encourage you to come to it and fight battles with us. For those of you who cannot lay at this altar, who your knees are bad and your back is bad, I understand, I'm not crazy. But we got these front pews. Could we just for a few minutes labor with God in prayer? Just for a few minutes. What a friend. Thank you for coming. What a friend we have in Jesus. While we're praying, we're going to be praying for Linda's family. They have sickness in their family and bereavement in their family. And you come to this altar and begin to pray, especially if you're a seasoned saint. That means you've been with God a long time. You can reach him probably before we can. Now, everybody who can get a prayer through, will you come to this altar and begin to pray? That God will move. This is what the Father seeks. 